Hey everyone, it's Russell Venozzi, back for another episode of the Main Street Preps Podcast. We've switched things up a little bit today. With a bunch of teams out on fall break this week, there are plenty of games that have been moved to Thursday, and more games have been moved to Thursday due to incoming weather um, because of the hurricane. So on the short week, I asked Sumner County Sports Editor Zach Womble to co-host with me, and Zach and I talk about how we've been pleasantly surprised by how smoothly this season has gone during the pandemic. We break down the MSP Top 25 poll, and we talk about a few big games on the docket for Thursday and Friday. Now let's get to the episode. I'm pleased to be joined today by Sumner County Sports Editor Zach Womble. Zach, you doing all right? I'm doing very good today, Russell. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. We're trying to keep up with everything that's going on. It's a lighter week for football, but it seems like everything else is ramped up. We've got state golf. We've got soccer postseason about to get going. Volleyball postseason already in swing. Um, you doing okay keeping up with all this stuff? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure, like, just as we started recording, that Station Camp, I think, uh, won the state championship as a team. So if that's the case, that's their, that's their third in a row. I, I haven't confirmed yet. I got a text from uh, a parent, so they would know because they're there. Uh, but I checked the leaderboard like 30 minutes ago, and they were down a stroke um, with one of, with one of their players, Lynn Lim, already completed 18. But all of t- both Tennessee girls had to still uh, uh, take on 18, and so did Lily Bloodworth. So I'm not entirely sure how that played out, but parent is telling me that their third win in a row, which is, if true, remarkable. And, I don't, you know, obviously I, I have no reason not to believe him. So, yeah, that's, I mean, three in a row, that's that's pretty stat. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty remarkable to do that. Well, good day for Station Camp Golf then. And uh, this week I know you don't have any football games, but there's still a lot of action going on. We've got a lot of games. That we're going to be on Thursday night due to fall breaks coming up for some schools. Um, and now more games are, are being moved up to Thursday night because of the hurricane uh, remnants that are supposed to be coming in Friday. Um, so, Zach, I know you're doing something a little bit different this football season. You're not actually on the sidelines every week. Tell me a little bit about that and, and the show you guys co- have coming up Friday, I guess, um, as long as we have enough games to talk about on Friday. Yeah, I've kind of wondered what, what that Friday schedule is going to look like. Um, you're right. It is, it is a different season for me. Um, and, you know, I'm used to being on the sidelines, and, and, I, miss, and I miss that somewhat, being, just being there. Uh, on the field but speaking of being on the field that's exactly what our show is on uh, WNSR which is 560 a.m. on your dial Uh, George Plaster myself Jack Gentry we essentially take you on the field whether you live in Davidson County Williamson County Wilson Rutherford anywhere in the mid-state we have you covered Russell knows this we have an army of of reporters that we send out each and every week you know at least 15 games it seems like are getting covered every week so it's always it's always in your best interest to tune in to us and it's not just on the radio that you can listen to us you can actually go on Facebook and find our Main Street Preps uh, Facebook account where we will share that and you can actually watch us on Facebook live so it's a fun time we we, we make three hours go by in a hurry uh, like I said we have reporters calling in from each and every game that we're at you know usually Russell's the one that leads us off because he just happens to be at the game of the week every week uh, like I said, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, especially in a year like this where you can't typically get to a game unless you're a parent, it's a perfect opportunity to get caught up and stay informed on, on all of the mid-state high school football action. Yeah, between you, Jack, and that smooth uh, voice of George Plaster, it really is a nice addition to our coverage this year. Yeah, he, like uh, I, said, I tell you what, he's, uh, he's a pro. He, uh, he's been a lot of fun to, to work with and, and deal with on Friday nights. Very much so. Um, and 
it, it's been a nice addition to our coverage this year in a season that's been pretty strange, obviously, uh, amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Zach, I'll be honest with you, we're, we're looking at week eight uh, this, this week, and this is about as well as I expected things to go. I, I was pretty skeptical that the season would start on time, and when it did, I wasn't sure how that was going to look. I, just, I don't think anybody could really anticipate. We've had a lot of interruptions, uh, different, different schools and different counties, but overall, I mean, football is being played, soccer, volleyball. It looks like we're going to get through these fall seasons at least in some form. I mean, what's kind of your, your take on all this? Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, it's a pleasant surprise, right? I mean, I th- we were both, we're both on the same side of the fence when, when mid-August was here. We were, there was no way season was going to get started on time, let alone be eight weeks, eight weeks in. And like you said, yeah, we've had our problems here and there, you know, one being particular Beach High School here in Sumner County. But outside of that, um, it's it's been pretty, you know, hiccup-free. And and like you said, there's always going to be complications with COVID. Um, but the way that we've navigated it is has been remarkable to see. You know, shout out to all of our game administrators, school administrators, players, coaches, everyone doing their part. I think we can all agree that uh, we will be selfless enough to do what we got to do to make sure that we can play these games. And, and the vast majority of our communities have shown that, which has put a lot of good faith back in, into, you know, our mid-state in my mind. So just getting to this point um, and, and looking like we're, we're going to make a, a strong finish and a good push to Cookville, I mean, you can't help but feel good. It's, it's, it's been really good and really pleasant to see. Well, Zach, I, I'm with you. You know, I think it's been great for us to get to this point. Um, I'm definitely holding my breath though for November just because we've reached kind of this point. There's not just not as much leeway now that we're, we're reaching the end of the football season, uh, the soccer and the volleyball playoffs, you know, um, in August and September, if, if you needed to take two weeks off, um, you could, and you can get back to action. Um, but, but if that happens in the postseason, you know, if you have a COVID case or your school or your team has to shut down, that's going to be end of your season. So um, I've got my fingers crossed that we're not going to see too much of that, but, you know, we just, we don't know. Um, so anyways, that aside, we do have plenty of good football being played and that's going to be kind of our focus today. And so Zach, I want to talk about the main street preps top 25 poll, um, that I put together and with input, of course, from, uh, reporters and editors across our, our network. Um, so right now, as it stands, the top five is Oakland, Brentwood Academy, uh, CPA, sorry, yeah, Oakland, Brentwood Academy, CPA, Brentwood, Ravenwood. Um, and, and then behind them are Riverdale, Pope John Paul II, NBA, and so on. Uh, Zach, what do, you, what do you make of some of these, some of these top teams? I mean, do you, do you agree with the rankings that we have as they are? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't think you can argue at all with, with your top, top two teams. Um, I think they, those guys have solidified who they are um, and solidified those rankings. I mean, Oakland, we, we thought was going to get a test last week against Brentwood, right? I mean, kind of smack dab in the middle of the season, a really good 6A program. And they come out and they just flex their muscles to the tune that it was never really close. And then you got a program like Brentwood Academy who already plays in a tough D23A region, but then you, you schedule those out-of-state out of conference games – or, excuse me, out-of-state out of games with Clearwater Academy. I know they didn't get a chance to play their Alabama school, but, I mean, it's just clinical in what they do. They showed that last week at home against Knoxville, a good Knoxville Catholic team on a Saturday. You know, you may, you may see that Saturday game and think, oh, that's no big deal. Well, a lot of high school coaches will tell you that, that their teams don't really thrive when they go off schedule – 
but BA seems to just be able to just roll whenever they have have to hit the field. So I definitely agree with your top two. Really, to be honest with you, I agree entirely with your top five, six, seven. I really like Riverdale. Um, I've been high on them. I know they lost against CPA the first week of the season, but CPA in the top five, a really good program. They're going to test themselves this week, right? Um, mm. So I think Riverdale has a really good shot to – I guess if they're going to, if anyone's going to push uh, Oakland, it's going to be Riverdale, right? It's going to be their next-door neighbor um, that, that gives them the best game. And even – even then, I'm not really convinced that, that they're going to be able to do that. Um, so, I just think one through five, six are, are really solid. I think you did a really good job. JP2, hey, huge surprise last week, right? I mean, taking Yeah, how about the Knights? Yeah, taking down NBA on the road with Andrew Southard field goal as, as time expired. A really big win for, for them. And I feel like it's the second time that I've said that for them, that they've had a program builder, their first one on the road against Briarcrest Christian. I understand the Saints are not the same Saints program that they were last year. But still, to go on the road three hours away, pick up a, a win like that in a region that uh, maybe you weren't going to get in years past, clearly that led over – you know, to, to their NBA win. So two and one in league play uh, in, in what I believe to be the toughest league in all of high school football. I understand class 6A with Oakland and Maryville are right up there. But when you got your the likes of BA and Macaulay and, and NBA historically, I mean, that's as good as it gets, right? So I, I think you're pretty spot on with those first seven teams. Yeah, Pope John Paul, of course, did some of that damage, too, without two of their best players. I know uh, Antoine Roberts is making his way back now. Uh, Sawyer Watts, they still don't have him. So, Kenny Minchie, uh, young quarterback, has stepped in and looked like looked like a seasoned veteran. I mean, Yeah, so I don't know if uh, – so you can go to the Minchie Preps and, and check out our podcast. But I asked Justin Geisinger that exact question. I said, hey, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you bring back Sawyer or do you keep Kenny in? I mean, he's he's a guy that's, that's thrown for uh, six, nearly 600 yards in two games. Uh, has really found a rhythm with Colin Cook, a sophomore wide receiver. Stephen Carter, other guys have been stepping up. And uh, he just makes plays, whether it would be with his arm or his legs. I believe he threw for nearly 300 against NBA, a couple a couple touchdowns, rushed for nearly 50. You know, do you leave that guy in? Essentially a kid that is young. He really doesn't know any better, right? I mean, he hasn't been in those fires that that teach him when to take a sack or when to throw the ball away. He just goes out and plays ball. And, and so it's interesting to see the momentum that team has built and rallied around him. So do you go back to Sawyer, your senior, who's been there, who has done a lot of good things for you? And Geisinger simply told me, like, hey, we knew coming into this season there was a really good chance we were going to play two quarterbacks. And so they've got a big game on the road at MUS next week. I know they're going to try to let Sawyer heal up as best he can. And if he can't – if there's any inclination that Sawyer cannot go on that ankle, they will – without hesitation, sending Kenny Minchie. And, uh, and Antoine Roberts did play last week against NBA. I don't think he was his uh, his normal self. But then again, teams are stacking the box against JP2. I mean, they're, they're making them beat them through the air. And uh, he didn't have the best game statistically last year, but was is still a threat anytime he's on the field. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, Kenny Minchie, man, he's stepping up and growing up in front of our eyes. Yeah, that's a great plan B to have. And that's one reason uh, JP2 has been a, a quick riser in the poll here. A couple other teams I want to hit, too. Lipscomb Academy and Hendersonville. Let's start with Lipscomb Academy. Had Trent Dilfer on the podcast last week, and we talked about how, uh, kind of like you alluded to, they, they had take, taken on a couple of those really strong teams in Division II AAA to start the season. Brentwood Academy and JP2 took their lump, started the season 0-2. Uh, but since then, they have caught fire. They've won their last four games. Uh, they've actually outscored those op opponents 198 to 13. 
So uh, not about as good as you could ask for for the Mustangs. Now they've got two region games left. They were able to reschedule the CPA, the game against CPA, which is essentially going to be for the region title. Um, that game was canceled because last week when uh, CPA had to sit out for some COVID issues. So good to have that one back on the schedule, I believe, October 23rd. And then after that, Lipscomb Academy wrapped its season at BGA, which is, appears to be a little bit down this year. So you'd, yeah. you'd think that Lipscomb Academy could take care of business there. But I'm starting to see Lipscomb Academy, especially depending on how that CPA game goes, I'm seeing them as a contender in Division II AA. I mean, would you agree with me there? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Trent Dilfer took over last year and instilled confidence immediately in that team. You know, against JP2, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking because I'm the Sumner County guy, so I, pay, I really pay attention to those, those schools, right? So I'm going to reference the JP2 game last year. They jumped out to a huge lead on JP2. Now, the Knights in the second half made some adjustments, and I scored like I think scored 31 unanswered points to, to win that game. But they're a confident team, you know, led by Jaden Lyles and Alex Broom, two former teammates at Knox Dawes Middle School here in Sumner County. They won their fair share of games at Knox Dawes, won the county championship. So clearly they've got playmakers. I know you've alluded to their great quarterback play. So clearly they're doing something right on offense. And, and, and are we really surprised that Trent Dilfer has a high-powered offense? Because I'm not, right? Not <laughs> I'm not at all. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's not a great guy. Yeah, he's done a great job in, in the short amount of time that he's been there. He's really changed that culture. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Lipscomb Academy, they tested themselves early, but that's proving to pay off right now. And I think they are a real threat for Cookville come December. Yeah, and even what they did last year was impressive because Lipscomb Academy was coming off of uh, two seasons that, in which they went 3-19 and 19 combined. Uh, and then last year, they get all, all the way to the state semifinals. So yeah, uh, just the progression there, it appears like, like you said, they could very well end up in that final game this year. Um, another team, I, like I said, Hendersonville that I want to talk about, um, they've been a little bit probably underranked, admittedly, in the Main Street Preps poll, and we've discussed that, uh, I believe, on your podcast a few weeks ago. Hendersonville was just kind of missing a marquee win, and the teams around them uh, didn't necessarily have any bad losses, but that changed last week. Hendersonville uh, beat Wilson Central, and Mount Juliet lost to, to Rossview. And so now all of a sudden Hendersonville finds themselves atop that district. Um, what do you, what do you make or, or atop that region? I should say, what do you make of that? The region race that's happening there between uh, Mount Juliet, Rossview and Hendersonville. Yeah. So first off, I mean, great job Rossview, you know, ignoring the noise, right? Us, we in the media, we, we tend to tend to tend have a tendency, excuse me, to talk really loud and try to tell teams and tell players who they are and what they can be. And Rossview just ignored that, right? They, they took on the presumed favor in that region in Mount Juliet and beat them at home in a very good win. And, and you see that and you go, wow. It, you know, you, it really proves that any given team can go down any given Friday night. And Hendersonville now, following that impressive win over Wilson Central, who was coming off a road win at Gallatin, which is always hard to do, uh, even though, you know, Gallatin may be having a down year, but that's still tough to win on the road. Hendersonville winning 28-10 to 10 at Wilson Central in kind of an impressive way that they did where they dominated the second half. Yeah, you, you can't help but think that, that the Commandos have, have a really good shot to play the Bears for that regular season title uh, at, at the end of the year. Um, you know, last year, Hendersonville got the best of Mount Juliet 41-14, so I know – uh, that, that Mount Juliet's going to be looking for a little bit of revenge. You know, Coach Perry got ejected in that game as well. So so we both understand that – or we, I think we understand that, that Mount Juliet's going to give Hendersonville their best shot. And I would still say, even though Rossview beat them, that Mount Juliet is the favorite. 
you know how coaches will never admit to a good loss, right? I think this could be classified for Mount Juliet as a good loss. It, it, it sucks now because it's a region game and you're kind of stalling a little bit of momentum, but it allows you to look in the mirror and see who you are right before you get into those playoffs. And on top of that, you still got three games to fix whatever mistakes that you have. So while they lost, I, I still think that, that Mount Juliet is that re, region favorite. Uh, but you cannot ignore what Hendersonville has done. And, and James Beasley and his crew has – and you look at last year, a slow start, kind of the same thing this year, a slow start, and they just they just get better as the year goes along. They just – they just they stick to that grind, and, and they just – they continue to work, and, and that's, you know, proven to be true again this year. I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I know Mount Juliet coming off the roster – the loss to, to Rossview, obviously plenty of time to learn from that. But I was already starting to get cold feet – on Mount Juliet when they nearly lost to Wilson Central a few weeks prior to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think if they played today, I, I would definitely pick Hendersonville. Now, obviously things could change in two or three weeks, but that's definitely going to be a, a big region race to watch there. I'll say um, this about the Wilson Central Mount Juliet game. It's that's as good of a rivalry game as you're going to get. I mean, that's two schools and two programs that literally grow up next to each other. They play each other in Pop Warner at Charlie Daniels Park, right? I mean, they they battle. They, they're friends. They grow up together. So that's one of those games where you just kind of have to throw everything out the out the, out the window. But you're right. Uh, it was definitely eye-opening a little bit, right, that it was only 10 to 7 because you would think that Mount Juliet would be able to flex their muscles a little bit and win by a little bit more. But credit to Wilson Central. Maybe they're a better team than what we're giving them credit for. And I'll tell you what, that's kind of the battle I've been fighting all year because it's been very, very difficult to rank teams in a season where there wasn't a preseason. There, were, there weren't scrimmages. Uh, a lot of teams started their seasons on different weeks. So you're comparing apples and oranges already between the public schools and the private schools. And then you throw in all these different start dates. Some teams may be missing some players in a given week to injury or COVID-19 contact tra tracing. The rankings have been a mess. So if the <laughs> ranking, if teams don't live up to their rankings or there's upsets or whatever, you know, that's, there's going to be that stuff anyways, but this year yeah. it's, it's kind of just the wild, wild west. So absolutely. with that being said, I want to talk to about a couple or three big games here, two of which involve teams that we talked about in that kind of that top eight realm of our poll. First one, first one I want to hit is CPA at Ravenwood. It's going to be played on Thursday night. Um, CPA is 4-0. They haven't played since September 18th. Um, Ravenwood four and three, but you really can't uh, take that record um, kind of at first glance because those losses have come to Brentwood, Pulaski Academy, and IMG Academy. So CPA, we don't know what we're going to get out of them coming off that long layoff. Uh, their defense, we do know that they will that they will be tough. They've only allowed uh, 7.8 points per game this year. Granted, I don't think they've faced an offense like Ravenwood, okay? Ravenwood is averaging nearly 33 points per game. They've got Trevor Andrews at quarterback, and his first year as a starter is thrown for 1,200 yards and 19 touchdowns. Uh, it really helps to have a guy like Jake Brenningstool, Clemson commit big, like six foot seven tight end. He's got 444 yards and seven touchdowns. So I like Ravenwood to pull this one off. Um, I, like I said, that CPA defense is going to be tough, but I just think coming off the layoff, it's going to be difficult for them to, to keep up with Ravenwood. But, but what do you think about that one, Zach? Yeah, exact same points, really. I mean, honestly, that's what I, that's exactly what I wrote down. Four and three record, but no bad loss. I mean, not seriously, not a single bad loss. You cannot blame them for any of their losses on their, on their schedule. You alluded to who, who those are. Uh, their offense is just, is really powerful, right? I mean, outside of that IMG game, 
uh, which, you know, IMG is, is who they are, where they only put up 14. Like you said, averaging over 30 points a game. They've got a high-powered offense. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They have weapons on the outside. And defensively, they've got some guys who can lock you down and shut you down on the outside in their corners. While CPA is a good team, this is, this is a game that I expect the depth of Ravenwood to show. And you mentioned the, the long layoff for CPA. I think that you have to take that into consideration. There is a rust factor there because, sure, you could practice and all that, but nothing will ever simulate real live game reps. So it, now that is one of the reasons, but I have a couple of reasons, but I agree with you. Ravenwood, I think, wins this game. And that game then, if that result does happen, that'll shake up the poll a little bit because right now we've got CPA at, I believe, three. Yeah. And Ravenwood at five. So we'll see if that holds up or if our picks are correct. Somebody, one of those is going to change. Your top, uh, your top, your top, or I would say your three through seven could probably be interchangeable at any point during the season. I really think one and two are solidified where they are, but three through seven, I think could could change on any given Friday night. I know we're not going to get this and you probably never will, but man, it'd be great to see Oakland and Brentwood Academy play just just to see. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. it. You know what? It would, it would, it would make me happy to see that game. And you know what? You never know, but I feel like if it's not going to happen in a year like COVID, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Well, next up, speaking of Brentwood Academy, NBA is traveling to Brentwood Academy this week. Um, Brentwood Academy seven and zero. NBA three and one after that loss to JP two that we talked about. The, th- the thing that's weird about Brentwood Academy this year, well, they're coming off a season in which they missed the playoffs for the first time since like 1997. Um, they're traditionally a, a run-heavy team. They've actually got two offensive linemen going to ACC schools. Uh, Eli Sutton's going to North Carolina. Noah Josie is going to Virginia. He just uh, announced that commitment like last week or the week before. Um, but this year, they're all about passing the ball. Taylor Montiel is actually going to Mississippi State to play baseball, has over 1,300 passing yards, eight touchdowns. And so they've actually only got like 400 rushing yards in, in six, six or seven games, which That's is surprising. Weird, to, weird to think about. But yeah. So out, outside of the, this NBA game, they've got Innsworth and Baylor left on the schedule. And I think they're going to run the table. I just, I think if they can get through NBA on Friday night, that they're not going to have a problem with Innsworth or Baylor. Uh, of course, NBA has got the dual threat quarterback and Marcel Reed, son of Rod Reed, TSU coach. And they've got a couple good running backs and, and Rhett Hiles and Patrick Wilk. And I'm sure they're going to be, um, you know, looking to bounce back over that JP2 loss last week. But I just I just don't see a path for them to beat Brentwood Academy. Do you? No, uh, no, not at all. Um, and it, it just speaks to the, all the points that I've been making about Brentwood Academy. They're just they're just such a good program, right? I mean, they just you're, – you're so right. Seeing them air the ball out more than run the ball is, is, is strange to see. But it, it's working. I mean, they, ha- they have the ability to do it. Uh, you know, I will say this. I think that – NBA might be an easier game than Baylor, um, depending depending on where that is. Now, you know, if it's at Baylor, that's that's a long that's a long drive, two hours to Chattanooga. Um, you know, it's a region game. It, it should be a really good game. Uh, I, I'm like you. I think Ensworth is is definitely a win. Um, so, if you're asking me if I'd be surprised if they run the table, absolutely not. You know, it, that's just that 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 comes with the territory. And honestly, I, I think their 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 aspiration should be higher than a perfect 10 and a regular season. I think they really have a shot to make a real run at Cookville and play um, whomever comes out of uh, the other side of, of the region. So, yeah, I like B.A. in this one. And, and while I think it's close in the first half, I, I think B.A. is going to pull away in the second half and maybe make this a two-possession or two-score game. 
Just a quick note here, that game, uh, the Brentwood Academy closes the season at Baylor on October 30th. Um, but Baylor kind of got run out of the building a couple, or last week against Macaulay, and they barely edged Innsworth. Uh, by okay. two points maybe, the week before, and Ensworth well, looks like they're they're down. So yeah, we'll so see maybe I, maybe I'm wrong about Baylor. Um, I, I guess I just didn't realize. But yeah, you know, losing to Macaulay, defending state champ, is nothing to hang your head about. It's the Ensworth barely beating Ensworth that that kind of piques my my interest, right? Yeah. Because we can both understand that Ensworth is a little down this year, so to barely get past them is kind of uh, head scratching. So so maybe maybe that isn't going to be much of a game at all. I guess we'll see. And then uh, to wrap it up here, I want to talk about a Metro game. A uh, This one's kind of flying under the radar this week. I don't necessarily know a lot of people are talking about it, but I know, Zach, you're very familiar with this region, 6-5A. Hillwood at Hunters Lane. Hillwood's 1-0, Hunters Lane 1-1. Uh, the winner of this is basically going to get a playoff spot, right? Is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, because of – so Beach, Gallatin, Hillsboro, Hunters Lane, Glencliff, and um, uh, Hillwood. Are, are, are your six teams, right? And Beach and Gallatin are, are already in due to COVID. So you th- so obviously Hillwood, Hunters Lane, uh, Hillsboro, or Glencliff have to get those two two games. Hill, Hillwood's already beaten Glencliff. Uh, you would expect that uh, whoever else has to play Glencliff is probably going to get those wins. Um, so you're right. I mean, this, this is basically determining whether or not you're going to make the playoffs. You know, I read on your article about the Hillwood quarterback transfer from White's Creek who can really throw the ball – uh, has over 3,000 yards passing in, in his career. So clearly uh, they can put some points up. They put up 66 points last week against Glencliff. And, and if I'm being honest with you, uh, since I've been paying attention to this region, I feel like Hillwood is known for having good quarterbacks and a good passing attack. They can put up offense and that has really good weapons on the outside. So I actually expect Hillwood to win this game and to be that 3-4 seed. I think they're going to be the four seed losing to Hillsboro. Uh, I think Hillsboro will be that third seed but matching up with either Shelbyville or Summit in the first round out of Region 6, uh, they'll travel to them, and, and that's going to be a tough test. I mean, those, those, two, those two schools, those two teams, traditionally really good programs. So uh, I, think, I think Hillwood gets the win this Friday. I think they, can, I think they put up a lot of points on Hunter's Lane, but, uh, and I think they take the four seed going into that, into that uh, playoff, to that playoff bracket where they will see either Summit or Shelbyville. I mean, I know you're – You've been paying attention to, to Metro. I mean, how do you see that game shaking out? Well, I, I agree with you on the outcome, especially because like you alluded to there, Cameron Davis, the new quarterback for, for Hillwood, got a big arm. Uh, this guy came over from White's Creek with his dad, uh, Clifton Davis. The, Clifton Davis was actually the White's Creek head coach last year. Cameron was the starting quarterback. They didn't really like that situation they were in. Didn't feel like there was enough commitment to the football program there. There weren't enough weapons around Cameron. Uh, to really kind of reach his potential. So they came over to Hillwood, um, and, and his dad is, is serving as an assistant coach, and Cameron has stepped in as a starting quarterback. And, man, I know it was Glencliff, and, you know, everybody knows about Glencliff and kind of their numbers are down, obviously. They, they struggled last year. Uh, but just some of the passes he was able to make were, were just so impressive and uh, didn't hardly have to break a sweat, only played one half, and he still threw for almost 200 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, his dad told me afterwards that he's getting looks from all kinds of colleges from like Austin P and Eastern Kentucky to some SEC places like Kentucky uh, to even Oklahoma. He's heard from them. Wow. So good for him. Still a young guy. He's a junior. Um, obviously his season has been cut a little bit short here, but it'll be interesting to see kind of where he falls um, on the recruiting circuit uh, over these next couple of years. 
And 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 guys like see guys like Cameron are the perfect example of why Metro had to get back to playing, right? I mean, you got a guy that's up and coming on the uh, on the on the recruiting trail, clearly has the the talent, is getting some offers, but needs more game film. So yep. just a, a, just one of the many reasons why we had to get Metro back. I'm so glad they're playing, and these guys get a get an opportunity to showcase their talents. Good for good for Cameron, and, yeah, it's and, really good to see for guys like him, and then especially for seniors that really, really yeah. this is their last shot, you know. So they're getting that chance now, fortunately. Um, and just to finish up the thought here on Hillwood, so I do think that they can beat Hunters Landing and get that playoff spot. I'm also curious to see if they can challenge Hillsborough for the number three. Yeah. Um, they only lost to Hillsborough 15 to 10 last year, um, right there at the end of the season. Hillsborough um, has shown some rust in the first few weeks. You know, they've lost to Pearl Cone Beach, which obviously two good teams. Um, they haven't had a lot of offense in either of those games either. But they, right, they haven't. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. You know, Hillsborough does have several um, kind of big-time Division One guys. Um, if they haven't already committed, there's some kind of down the line that may that have some offers. So you, you think that Hillsborough would have the edge there, but I don't know. Hillwood, after I know this is probably some recency bias for me from attending their game, but just from what I saw out of them and kind of the potential of their offense, um, I kind of like them as an underdog in that region. I, I'm going to have my eye on this Hunter's Lane game. Also the Hillsborough game too, just to see if maybe they can um, kind of make some noise in that region. Um, but anyway, Zach, I think that's all I've got. Unless there's anything else you wanted to, to touch on today. No, I think the I think the just want to just one more time just thank you to the to the principals, administrators, coaches, players for everybody for doing their part. Like I said, we're we're both pleasantly surprised to be going into week eight, and we couldn't have done it without everyone's help. So, you know, way to, way to go, you know, way to be selfless and, and think about the, the person beside you so that, so that, like you alluded to earlier, there's a little bit of normalcy back, back in our lives. Absolutely. I'll second that. And I'll also thank you, Zach, for joining me today. It was nice to have a co-host. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. A little scary talking to a mic just by yourself like I have these past five weeks, but I appreciate your insight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Russell. All right. Thanks, Zach. And that'll do it for today's show. We hope you enjoy the different format this week. And please note, the show is going to be on hiatus next week, but we will return the week of October 19th. See you then.